All right. Hey, good morning, Three Circle, all of our campuses joining us right now. Uh, we're going to dive into the Apostles' Creed again on this Memorial Day weekend. And on this Memorial Day weekend, as we are grateful, we celebrate who we are as a nation and those who have sacrificed so much, we're also aware there's so much work yet to be done. And as we reel from uh, the tragedies that took place in the past few weeks in our nation, in Buffalo, uh, where a group of people were killed to just this past week in Uvalde, Texas, where innocent teachers, school administrators, and children uh, were killed. We mourn as a church and as a church body. We pray uh, for our nation. The Bible says that we should feel deeply and pray for these things. So we do that together. And, uh, and right now, before I begin uh, teaching, I just want to invite you to join me in that prayer. Father God, we come to you now as a church. And before we dive into your word to learn and to uh, honor you and to worship you, even through uh, the word today, Lord, we come to you and we, and we cry out for our nation. We cry out uh, Lord, for wisdom for our leaders as they decide pathways forward. We pray for the families and the, the people affected, God. Uh, for the victims' families, that you would be near them now. I know that there are churches and believers in Buffalo and Uvalde, Texas, that, that are on the scene doing ministry now. We pray that you would use your church to minister and to be there for people. And then I just pray that you would help us, even in our own communities, to be the light in the darkness that you call us to be. We, we live in evil days in many ways, but you, Lord, have overcome. And, and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to dive into the Apostles' Creed again. Uh, we, we're not saying the Apostles' Creed is holy or inspired. We only use those words for the Bible. But the Apostles' Creed has been a faithful summation of our faith uh, throughout church history. And different theological streams and movements have always grabbed back onto it, from John Wesley to Spurgeon to Calvin to Augustine. They grab onto the creed. And so today we're going to use that as a kind of a framework to help us walk through what do we believe as Christians. And we have gone through several weeks of this. We started with we believe in God. And when we say God, we mean the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the triune God that the Bible reveals to us. And then we looked at the Father. Our God is Father. And then we looked at the Son. We spent two weeks on the Son of God. We looked at His divinity and His humanity. We looked at His Lordship and His saving work in our lives. And then last week, we began to look at the Holy Spirit. We saw that we all have a mission as Christians. Whoever we are, we're all called to be on mission. Whatever you do, all things to the glory of God. But we saw that we cannot complete our mission without the empowering of the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now, in light of that, we're going to look today more at the Holy Spirit. And again, 35 minutes on a Sunday morning is not enough time for us to explore and exhaust teaching on the Holy Spirit. But we are going to look at several different important things that I think we need to know and understand as Christians. And so we're going to dive into that today. And we're going to do that by looking at three different places in the Bible. We're going to start with Jesus. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? I think that's pretty important, right? And then we're going to look at what did the apostles write? What did the early church begin to develop and write for us to know about the Holy Spirit and who he is and how he works in our lives? So let's dive into that now. First, we're going to look at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. 
We're going to go to John 16, 7, and 13 through 15. As we look at this, we're going to hit the pause button as we read through like we normally do and go slowly through the scriptures and understand what Jesus is saying. So Jesus, and I'm going to go back and forth. So we're going to go back and forth between this illustration and what we're going to read. Okay? So Jesus is with his disciples. He is incarnated. He is God in human flesh, and he's with them, walking with them. He's with them every day. So let me go to the illustration. So we're going to say that this bottle of water is going to be the Holy Spirit. And this today for us is, G- is, is, is us, and this is Jesus. All right? So Jesus, us, and the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, when he was on the earth, fully incarnated, was beside his disciples and believers. He was walking with them. That's what it sounded like when they were walking down the road. They'd go to Capernaum, they'd walk together. One time, the disciples were out in a boat. And Jesus walked out on the water. How about that? You like that? So that's awesome. And we would all go, man, we wish Jesus was beside us like that. Look at what he said to his disciples. He said, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Stop. Pause. Jesus looks at these people who've been with him. And he said, number one, I am going away. Now we know, we look at the Bible, we know what he's talking about. He's going to die. He's going to rise from the grave. And then he will ascend to the Father, to the right hand of the Father. And the Holy, the Holy Father will give the Holy Son all authority. At his ascension, he's going to do something. Because still, you've got God the Spirit, Right? He's going to tell you why this is a good thing. Because they're all going, wait, don't leave us. We like you being with us. He says, well, let me tell you why it's good that I go away. Watch what he says. If I don't go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, he won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes. So now Jesus isn't just telling us that he's going to send the Spirit in a new and unique way. He's saying, not only that, here's what the Spirit's going to do when he comes. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority. Whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. Jesus is telling you what the Holy Spirit will do. He will glorify me, the Son, is what He says. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. He sits at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, I said, He, the Holy Spirit, is going to take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay, now let me help you. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, all of us come from different backgrounds. I grew up in a tradition where there were certain beliefs about the Holy Spirit. You have as well. If you come from a Presbyterian or a Methodist background, you will have certain ideas. If you come from a Pentecostal background, Baptist background, all of this has different ideas. So what we've always been committed to at Three Circle is the Bible. And if the Bible says something that's different than my religious tradition I grew up with, guess who wins? The Bible wins. Not Mama or Papa. I love them. Not Pastor or whoever. Not the guy that said, ah, at the end of every sentence that he said. You know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. They walk up, they're like, good morning. Ah." Oh, you know it's going down now when he starts like that. No, we're going to let the Bible tell us. And Jesus tells you, when the Holy Spirit comes in this new way, here's what he's going to do. So the first thing Jesus teaches is this, what we learn. Jesus taught it will be better for the Holy Spirit to be in us than him to be beside us. 
That's what he's telling his disciples. Now, let's, let's move forward. Let me tell you what happens. So Jesus, being fully incarnated as a human, could be with and beside his disciples again. He ascends, and he sends his Holy Spirit. Now, this is not Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit wasn't always there. He's always been there. In the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was there hovering over the waters before creation. The Holy Spirit came upon King Saul to win a big battle. The whole, but he never indwelled anyone in the Old Testament. He would come upon them. The Holy Spirit came upon King David. How do you think he aimed so well with that slingshot? <laughs> by, my, by the Spirit, I'm going to do this. What David said, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit was operating. But Jesus is saying, when I'm done with what I'm about to do, my death, my burial, my resurrection, and my ascension... The Holy Spirit will be unleashed into the lives of believers in a unique way that has never happened before. And what that is, is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So now as believers, we don't just have the Spirit beside us, we have the Spirit, come on somebody, in us. The church I grew up with, there'd be a little mm, 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 right now, man, the music would start, the organ would strike it up, someone would be singing, and that's good. I get it. I know my audience. Y'all going to give me a little praise the Lord, you know? Not all the way, but a little halfway. I'm just kidding. So we get the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And Jesus said, that's a good thing. Jesus said, I ascend to my Father. I'm going to send the Spirit to do this new thing. You can call this the age of the Holy Spirit or whatever. There's different ways to look at it. The Holy Spirit's operating now in this way. And when He comes... See, I, I've, I've seen all kinds of things attributed to the Holy Spirit. But why don't we just let Jesus tell us what the Holy Spirit will do? And let me give you one little thing. If you're ever in an environment where the Holy Spirit is being attributed things that are all about the Holy Spirit, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will glorify the Son. And the Holy Spirit's always going to be just taking things about Jesus and declaring them to us. So let me tell you what he's saying the Holy Spirit will do. Because he says, here's one thing he's going to do. He's going to guide us into all truth. Now watch this. How, where do we find truth as Christians? Where do we find truth? In the Bible. There is an interaction between the triune God and his revealed word. Now how many of you would also say that we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. This is him telling us who he is, but it's hard to understand. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Guess what? Jesus says... When I send the Holy Spirit and He indwells believers, one thing He will do for believers. So here we are, we're Christians, we've got the Holy Spirit indwelling us, and we come to the Bible and we begin to understand the Bible. Why do you think that is? Because the Spirit has become your teacher. And he's a really good teacher. So whenever you understand the Bible, you just go, there, there it is, Holy Spirit. Because if, if you didn't have the Holy Spirit, you would read it and be like, huh? I don't, I don't even know what this is, okay? So the Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth. And what truth is that? Who Jesus is. The glorification of our Savior. That is what this is all about. Write it down. The Holy Spirit points to the Son. Now, I want you to also see the beauty of the Trinity in this. So... Let me help you here. Remember, this, this is Jesus. We were talking about that just a moment ago. When Jesus was on the earth, he submitted himself to God. 
But he was, he was God, right? Yes. But he submitted himself to his Father and to the Spirit, willingly. In fact, who was it when Jesus got baptized, who was it that spoke from heaven about him? His Father. And who descended like a dove? The Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus. Who was leading Jesus? The Holy Spirit. When Jesus was on the earth with all of us physically, he was led by the Spirit. He submitted himself to the Spirit. That's what he did. Jesus then ascends to his Father, given all authority, and now the Holy Spirit submits to the Son. Do you see this? Do you see how the Trinity works? So now the Holy Spirit, Jesus said when he was on the earth, he did nothing apart from God. Everything was in submission. The Holy Spirit's doing the same thing. The Holy Spirit submits to the Son, points to the Son, glorifies the Son, leads us to the Son. By the way, when you're lost, you know who grabbed you by the hand and brought you to the Son? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you didn't do that on your own. You didn't wake up one morning as a sinner and go, you know what I think? I want to know the God that, that... created all things, and I'm just going to find Jesus today. No sinner's ever said those words. No, no, Jesus knocks at your door. And do you know what's drawing your heart to open that door? The Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Spirit of God. How many of you are thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit today? Amen? He not only does that, he illuminates Scripture, but he begins a process of sanctification. The Bible lets us know that it is the Holy Spirit working in us to make us more like Jesus. Sanctification is a process that begins at our salvation when we're indwelled in the Spirit. We get the Holy Spirit, and He moves into our lives. And the Holy Spirit is a house guest that shows up and starts changing stuff, and you didn't even ask Him to. All right? So it'd be like if you invited me over like they do in the old days, let the preacher come over. Let's have a preacher over for dinner. Especially in the South. My grandfather said when he was a kid, he loved when the preacher would come over because that was the day that the food was going to be really good. Like his mom was going to impress the, anyway. So that's what they would do. Now imagine you invite me over to your house and I come over and I'm like, awesome. So, and, and you guys say, hey, we're going to be in the kitchen cooking dinner. You just sit in the living room and hang out. We'll let you know when it's ready. Cool. So I, I sit down in the living room. You go cook and you come out to invite me to come on into the dining room and you walk out. And I've got a jackhammer taking down walls. And all of your furniture, I've sold it. It's gone. They've already picked it up. Stuff you loved. Like your Aunt Betsy's uh, accordion thing. It's gone. And I've just moved stuff around. I've redecorated. I've put new flooring down. In an hour, while you were cooking spaghetti, I have totally destroyed your house. It's a mess stuff everywhere. And I'm just smiling at you like, what has happened? And I look at you and I go, oh, you didn't realize when you invite me over, I change everything. And I don't even ask. I just start changing it. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. Yes. Holy Spirit moves into your life. He moved into my life. And let let me make this clear, too. By the way, let me make this clear. You do not have to understand this to experience it. No Christian understands this when they become a Christian. I didn't. I was 12 years old. But I became a Christian, and by the end of the week, I wanted to be a preacher. And I love baseball. And something inside of me, I always thought preachers were weird. Again, I grew up, all of them said, ah, at the end, everything they said. 
And I was like, oh, goodness. And they yell so much. Stop yelling, please. I mean, as a kid, I was like, I'm scared of these guys. And then I give my life to Jesus. By the end of the week, I'm like, I got, I'm going to do that one day. I'm serious. Something happened inside of me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit shows up. He just starts moving stuff around. He starts changing, getting rid of stuff, showing you stuff. That is the process. And by the way, your life is a real Christian. When the Holy Spirit moves in, your life should look like a construction zone, not a showroom. It's a construction zone. There's going to be nails and sawdust. One of our pastors here has been building a house over the past year. And so every time I would see him, I'd say, hey, man, how's the house coming? He'd say, it's a mess. It's a total mess. But he didn't say that in a negative way. He's like, man, there's people out there every day, and there's sawdust and nails and machinery. The neighbors are mad because stuff's going crazy. And he would say, but I'm glad because when, when there's a mess, that means there's progress. When there's a mess, there's progress. Just watch this. That's what the Christian life looks like. And look, and it never ends until you're dead. The Holy Spirit's going to be working on you as a Christian. He moves in. And, and, and see, here's the deal. Let me make this clear. When you become a Christian, I'm going to show you th from the Scripture in a moment, you got all of the Holy Spirit. You got all of Him. You didn't get half of Him. You don't get half a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. So you got all of the Holy Spirit. It's called the indwelling of the Spirit. But the rest of your life, He's going to keep getting more of you. That's how it works. He moved in, and you think he's done. You're like, oh, we're good now? He redecorates the living room? He's like, <laughs> we're not done yet. We've not even started. And I find, I'm now 44 years old, and I'm finding the Holy Spirit still messing stuff up in my life in the best of ways. Stuff I didn't even see. He goes, you haven't even thought about this, have you? Forgot about this area of your life. We're going to go after that one now. We're going to keep bringing it under submission to Jesus. And as I keep working on you, you're going to keep looking a little more like him. And I'm not going to be done until you're dead. I'm just going to keep working on you. That's the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And we should be grateful for it and thank him for it. He's always pointing us to the Son. So Jesus tells us this is good. I'm going to ascend to my Father. I'm going to send the Spirit in this new way that's never happened. And by the way, when did that get inaugurated? Pentecost. At Pentecost, people who were already Christians, now watch, this isn't going to happen forever like this. There were people who were Christians in that in-between time where Jesus was here on the earth inaugurating the new covenant, and they were already Christians, Peter, the disciples, others, and they are in an upper room, right? And he told them, wait, because the Holy Spirit's going to come in a new way. And when he came, it was new, right? He indwells them, and something happened fire on top of their heads. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You can't find that happening any other time. Look in the Bible. People kept becoming Christians and kept being indwelled with the Spirit, but it was only those first ones that lit up like lighters. Huh, that's interesting. Can you imagine the first one's like, you got a fire on your head, and you're like, you do too. And then they walk outside, and there's this massive crowd in Jerusalem. The Bible says they start talking about Jesus to this crowd, and this crowd has every language you can imagine. It's an international crowd. They start talking, just normal Jewish people, and they are speaking languages, human languages, that they were not learned and trained in. Go read it. It tells you exactly what happened. This accompanied the first indwelling of the Spirit. So it would be like if all of you spoke French, 
and I speak South Alabama, and I walk out here, and all I know is South Alabama, but I look at you and I go, where did that come from? And you all understand it. By the way, I don't know if that's a French word or not, but it sounded French. I took French in high school, and I've forgotten all of it, but I know it sounded like that, okay? Now, let's grab And when that happened, the world knew something new has happened. And then you can find some places in the Bible, there are some other people like who were Christians, and they hadn't heard this new thing of the Holy Spirit, and these apostles said, oh, you're, well, you need the Holy Spirit. He's doing this new thing, and they pray, and this happened. But then you, you have to look, look, you have to look at the letters of the New Testament, and we're going to, two of them, to Ephesus and to Corinth, where Paul begins to say, now that this new age has come, here's what happens when people become believers. Here's what happens. And we should welcome it, and we should see what happens. So let's now go to 1 Corinthians 12, 6 through 13. It says this. This is Paul talking to Christians. They're a church. They've all been indwelled with the Spirit. He says, look, there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And watch how he wants you to know it's the Holy Spirit working. He says, to each, each Christian, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit shows himself, his presence, in every Christian. And here's how he does it. He does it for the common good, first of all. And he does it by gifting us. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to individual Christians in the church for the common good. Not just for our own good. It's always for the common good. And look what he says. He says, for to one is given through the Spirit. He keeps saying through the Spirit. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Working of miracles, prophecy, another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, which means discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. Watch this. Who apportions to each one, each Christian, individually, as he wills. That's, I love that. That means the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, decided what gift you would get. How he would gift you for the church. Gave me a big mouth. Teaching gift. My grandmother used to say something about me, and I'm still not sure if it was a compliment or not. She would say, Chris can talk the horns off a billy goat. Hmm. I don't think that's a compliment. I don't know. I think she was like, Get this kid wear me out, right? The Holy Spirit gave me that. And the Holy Spirit has gifted you. Some of you are wise. Some of you have unique organizational administrative skills. Some of you have different, you have a discerning. And my wife is very discerning. She has the gift of discernment. She can just, man, she can just pick up on stuff. And I'm like, wow, how did you see that? And it, the Holy Spirit decided to give her the gift of discernment. Give you a big mouth. Put you together. It's going to work. Watch this. Verse 12. Just look what Paul's trying to say. Just as the human body is one, but it has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And here we go, some theology 101 about the Holy Spirit. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now, what does that teach me? It teaches me when we come into the body of Christ, that's through salvation. That's how you get adopted into this family. And he's saying that what happened at your salvation was baptism you're going to see in the Spirit. You are fully indwelled and baptized in the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian. 
Jews, Greeks, slaves are free. It doesn't matter who you are. Watch, we were all made to drink. So he's talking in the past. Past tense for Christians reading this. When you became a Christian, you drank of the one spirit. We were all filled with the spirit. So this is clear. Whatever you've been taught, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible is teaching us that when you become a Christian, you get baptized and indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. He moves into your life. So two things. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. The Son is God, and the Father is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. So we see that. That's important. Paul makes that real clear here in Corinthians. And then we see that last sentence is so very important. All believers, this is such good news today. It's like, now you understand more and more. Again, I didn't know all this when I became a Christian, and you didn't either. But it's here in the Bible. It's meant for our joy. It's meant for our maturity. I begin to operate better when I understand what's going on here. All believers are indwelled with the Holy Spirit at salvation. You don't get half the Spirit. You get all the Spirit. But the Spirit's going to keep getting more and more of you your whole life. This is how He works. And that's really good news. Because you may have come from an environment that said, hey, everybody gets some of the Holy Spirit when they become Christians. But the special ones that really come in strong, they're going to get this other part of Him that some get and some don't. And I'm sorry, the Bible, I just don't believe the Bible teaches that. I just don't believe it teaches that. I believe the Bible teaches clearly for us that we get all of the Holy Spirit when we become Christians. And we see that Paul, when he writes to the Ephesians church, is going to go even further. He's going to give us another word to look at. This is the third piece of the sequence that we look at today. This is for us. Now, all of us who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we got all the Holy Spirit. He's illuminating the scriptures for us. He's growing us to become more like Jesus. He is empowering all of us with gifts for the local church. He's leading lost people to Jesus, bringing them to Jesus. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. But what is our, what is our place as Christians as we interact with the Holy Spirit? Paul's going to help us here, Ephesians 5.15. He says to believers, be careful how you walk or live. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Make the best use of your time because the days are evil. That's your greatest resource, your time. The days are evil, verse 17. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. The idea of understand what the will of the Lord is is also to do as you understand the will of the Lord. Now, just stop right there. Those are all commands. How many of you know that's not easy to do, what he just said to do? Think about it for a second. How many of you are wise all the time? How many of you always know what God's will is and you do it? Right? Unless Jesus walks through that door in a minute, none of y'all are doing that. Not all the time. Not consistently. How many of you would admit with me, we fall short of what Paul just laid out for us as a goal, right? That's unbelievable. Which is why, watch this, which is why the next verse is there. He gives you impossible standards. And then he says this, verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And there is the power that we need. Here's a new word, too. We've talked about being baptized in the Spirit and indwelled by the Spirit, but now we get a word called filled with the Spirit. And again, if you've been around church long, you'll hear these words used, and I'm not sure that we understand what they mean, so let's give them biblical clarity. What does Paul mean when he says being baptized with the Holy Spirit? We see it. It's called salvation and the indwelling of the Spirit that happens for all believers. 
But now we have this idea of being filled with the Spirit. What does this mean? Watch. What this means is the Spirit that has indwelled you now will lead you and now will control you, which is why he used the wine analogy. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Paul says, look, we've all seen something beautiful that God gave humans like wine twisted and used for evil. And what happens when someone is drunk? The wine in them now controls them, right? That's what happens when you're drunk. You've given control over to a substance. And he says that is sin. That's how we know drunkenness is sin, period. Let me help everybody in the room. Memorial Day is coming. I don't know what you're doing tomorrow, but one thing I hope you're not doing is getting drunk. Seriously, it's sin. It's debauchery. Paul says it is across the line, and you have broken the laws of God if you drink too much, period. All right, so that's clear. But he wasn't done. He's wanting you to understand a bigger concept, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. He says, like that person has given control to a substance, that's sin, all Christians should be filled with the Spirit, which in that same way is when what is in you now is controlling you. And that's what being filled with the Spirit is, and it's why he said be filled. That idea means it's ongoing. He says, we were all baptized. That means it's happened. If you're a Christian, you've been baptized. But if you're a Christian, you should always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that making sense? So that means being filled with the Spirit means I have all of the Spirit in me, but I can submit to Him. I can pray for this. So we would say today, you should pray for the filling of the Spirit. Remember, that's not the indwelling. He's already in you. Praying that the Holy Spirit would fill you, which I do on a regular basis, become part of the discipline of my life, and it's based on Ephesians, is I'm saying to the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God who has indwelled me since I was 12 years old, I submit to you leading me today. I submit to your empowering for me to live out the mission. I'm asking you to fill me today. Enable me to do what I can't do on my own. That's what being filled with the Spirit means, and it means you can pray that every day. You can pray it in a moment. Walking into a tough meeting as a Christian, you can go, I am asking you, Holy Spirit, fill me. Now, does that mean you're going to feel an electric bolt go through your, you know, your, your back and you're going, hair's going to raise on the back of your neck? I've heard all that stuff, right? No, what it means is you're submitting yourself to the guidance of the Holy Spirit to do what God has told you to do. And it says he will do that for us, be filled with the Spirit. We can pray for it. We can submit to it. We can walk in it. So a couple more things today. Good news. We get all of the Spirit at salvation. But He gets more and more of us as we walk in Him. We get all the Spirit at salvation. He gets more and more of us as we walk in Him. It's going to happen your whole life. Not going to stop. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, He empowers us to do the will of God. Like we want to turn it into some kind of weird thing. It's not weird. It's just the Word of God. I can't look. The Bible is not something we're supposed to just know. It's something we're supposed to do. But this is hard, y'all, right? This is really hard. In fact, impossible. But the Bible promises us when we are filled with the Spirit, we can do the will of God. We can do the will of God. When we submit to the Spirit in our lives, we can actually do what God has called us to do. We can do more than we could have ever imagined, when we submit to the will of God in our lives. So today, as we have explored who the Holy Spirit is, my hope is this blesses you. I hope you'll get in your car today and go, wow, 
That made so much sense to me. So that now you can, when you worship God, as we leave this part of the Apostles' Creed, the studying of the Godhead, that you're able to go, man, I understand the interaction of the Spirit and the Son and the Father, and I see what all's happened here, and I understand what God has done in my life. And now I also understand my part, that I can pray and submit and surrender to the Spirit every day of my life to do what God's called me to do. That's a good thing. And, and when you read the Bible tomorrow morning, because we've said we want Sunday to affect Monday. When you wake up tomorrow morning, Memorial Day, you open up your Bible, I want you to know you have a guide. You have a teacher who will guide you into all truth. Ask him to. I want you to interact with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to pray tomorrow, Lord, especially some of you are going to be with your families tomorrow. Whew, you need the Spirit to fill you. Just pray, Lord, as I'm having hamburgers, corn on the cob, and all the other things we do on Memorial Day with my family. Lord, fill me. <laughs> Take control of my words. Y'all know what I'm saying. Maybe you got a tough meeting coming up on Tuesday when you go to work. You know, you need God to empower you. Ask Him to. He will. So, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me. You're in me. You've always been in me since I was saved. I want you to lead me and guide me and empower me. I submit to your leadership in my life. Let's pray together, and then we're going to worship. Jesus, thank you uh, for giving us your word, and thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit and Spirit of God. Thank you for filling us, convicting us of sin, leading us into all truth. I pray today that you are honored and glorified in this place. Move in our lives as we ask to be filled by you every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.